0: Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. On today's bonus episode of The Thriller Zone, we welcome Eli Craner author of ozark dogs ladies and gentlemen look who is in the thriller zone
1: eli Craner, glad to be here dave how are you man
0: man it is so good to see you it was uh one just over a year ago today it was like the 8th of august matter of fact i made myself a note let me cheat sheet here uh it was uh episode number 83 and here we are coming up on episode 146 a year later
1: oh wow Oh wow! It's a but, lot of episodes, dude. Yeah. Congratulations!
0: It's people like you that make it happen, dude. Let me tell you something, and I, I'm just gonna get in the habit of calling you, dude, just because I to f- do it Are all the gonna- time. I'm gonna say that uh, we're gonna talk about Ozark Dogs. Hold on, here it is. Look at this baby! Oh, such a good. Who
1: did this cover? Janine Agro. She she is the in house lady at Soho. Uh, in-house art director and she did both covers um, and like they 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 put it out you know like they they put out like a, they had people that they contracted to do this the make and we never liked it and then Janine took over on both ones uh, don't know tough and, and and she just did them both herself and I she's really she's really done a cool job
0: this is such a good and it, it says everything it's so good yeah. anyway um I, I I'm gonna start off the show by saying you've done it again only better
1: yeah thanks man that that's the goal right each one a little better
0: there are so many things to say so much ground to cover I do want to give a little bit of uh, props to Soho because they've been so good about watching out for us and giving us books and Megan Abbott on the cover saying, tunnels into your brain with feverish power. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you got, you got a few people that are singing your praises. Lisa Unger, Michael Ferris Smith, Gabino Iglesias. I mean, you know, a couple of little players out there in writer land.
1: That's, right.
0: That's right. Dude, you look good. You, you, you told me as we were getting ready to start up the show that it's been uh, what temperature out
1: in your neck of the woods? So been over 100 for like 10 days running. And, you know, down here in the south, we get that humidity, too. So 100% humidity, 100% 100 degree. Yesterday, the heat index was 119. So like, yeah, My, my daughter's school actually got canceled today. First grade power went out. Um, and they were just so scared about, you know, it going in and out.
0: I'm hoping that we're not going to get shut down by the heat. But I mean, come on. A hundred plus is no joke.
1: Yeah, no joke.
0: Um, Eli, this book, I always make these little notes in the back to myself so that I can remember that. But I was like, if I, Tammy, you know, Tammy, wife, she's always like, right, what'd you think about this book? I said, characters thoroughly inhabited <laughs> Simultaneous storylines, succinct and engaging. Ooh! But that theme that runs throughout it—if when you can create a theme that is both heartbreaking and encouraging, you've really done something.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I—I I don't know. You know, I wrote both "Don't Know Tough" and "Ozark Dogs." long ago I finished Don't Know Tough like the, the, the draft that I was querying in like 2016 and I wrote this book in oh, wow. 2017 um, so it's a funny thing to look back on myself you know what was that six years ago now um, yeah. as a writer and of course revisions and edits all you know my, my, my beautiful wonderful editor uh, Juliet Grames at Soho um, she you know definitely took these books from here to here, but the stories were there. And so I wrote both of these before kids. Yeah. My daughter's six. And I think, you know, a lot of people always talk about the darkness that is inherent yeah. in these books. Um, and I look back and I think, you know, I wonder, you know, that if, if that's like a pre dad thing. You know, going that dark, as dark as, as I went with both of these books. But like you said, still having a little heart in there, too. You know, still having something to keep us yeah. keep us from just tunneling into the, the, the abyss.
0: <laughs> into the dark abyss. Eli, let's drill down on that for a you second, because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about this. You crafted this six years ago. You and I are talking now six years later. So first of all, let's just be real. There's a little piece of your brain that's probably. Oh, hold on a second. Let me see who was in that book. What was going on? I mean, in all seriousness. So there's a little piece of oh. that, and there's a little piece of.
1: Yeah. No. No doubt, yeah. man. Dave, why don't I you do know, this? You know, when you Let get back, try and see if I get out of this yeah. basement if I can do that. Okay. Can I do that? If I get out of the basement, maybe. Yeah. Uh, here, here's the, the. Ooh, there's the, there's the spirit board for the next. <laughs> The next, uh, the next book, dude. I one? love
0: the spirit board. That's a good name.
1: That's that's a stole that from Jordan Harper. Came up with that term. You just just trying to catch the spirit of the project, you know. Jordan so, Harper
0: is one wicked ass writer.
1: Oh man, have you read Everybody Knows? Uh, yeah. Have you read She Rides Shotgun?
0: no but just the title alone makes him want to read it
1: well that's the one he wrote uh that he he won the best debut edgar for that and um back in like 2017 i think yeah um and so yeah so now maybe we'll have a little bit better connection Dude, look at this. I mean, you know, I
0: I only know you're from the... That-
1: you only know the basement, right? Like there's there's an actual I- kitchen and and a, and, a, and a you know, there's there's real everybody thinks i just live in a cave down there, but this is where the <laughs> this is where the real the real human beings exist in the Craner house. This is, uh, you have,
0: you have officially blown my mind. Now, I don't know why. Of course I know you're a classy dude, but I'm like, you know, I've only seen you in the basement down in the That's cave right. with the two by fours. You know? right. <laughs> I don't know why that strikes me so funny, but here he's up in this beautiful. You'll notice Mr. Craner's home is beautifully, uh, endeavored with uh, white and black and fine yeah. chairs everywhere.
1: These are all, these are all pictures we've taken here, like at the house. I can't ever get this camera oh. right, so yeah, all yeah, all, all of our own little little art going there, but yeah, right, I've yeah. heard on that other question about the years and stuff, but that that is it is a really strange thing, but then you kind of get in these these talking cycles, you know when a book comes out uh-huh. and you're doing panels and interviews and, and so, yeah, it brings it all back, you know, you kind of get those it kind of makes you think differently about it, about the whole book,
0: yeah. Well, as you saw on my Twitter post, now called X, whatever the fuck that is, and uh, I, I was sitting there talking. About, I was talking about how uh, your books have just taken. Uh, what did I say? He he jumped up the ladder a few rungs, and I mean that in all sincerity and complimentary fashion, because yeah. this book. And and I know I said, I read it in one day. I don't read any books in one day. I can't possibly do it. But for some reason, well, I've just finished getting over a little bit of a bug. But I got up about five o'clock like every day. And by, you know, mid-afternoon, I was done. And I was like, when's the last time I read a book straight through? For First of all. Second of all, and this is the funny thing that writers always do. They're excited by the fact that you're so enthusiastic that you read the whole thing in one sitting. But then what's the very first thing that your reader says? Eli, what's next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's right. And you're like, dude,
1: it took me a year or two or three or four to write that.
0: Give me a break.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you asking me what's next?
0: Well, why don't we go ahead and slide that in? We're going to come back around to uh, matter of fact. Because of our technical issues, you threw my little rhythm off, but that's okay. (laughs) But here's what I want to do. Totally okay. You know me. I'm a free form. I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to take a sneak peek into what Eli's working on next. But also, I'm going to get Eli's elevator pitch on Ozark Dogs right here, baby. That smoking little cover. Don't go anywhere. It's David Temple and Eli Craner right here on the Thriller Zone. We're talking about this beautiful book, Ozark Dogs. And when I say beautiful, I mean beautiful cover. Um, When I say beautiful story, kind of, uh, it's heartbreaking, but it's gritty and real. And this is why you're uh, escalating and uh, flying to the top of all the reader list, Eli. I mean, come on. Welcome back, by the way.
1: Thanks, man. Glad to be here, Dave.
0: And folks, you'll see that he's got a beautiful,
1: sparkling,
0: sharp clean beautiful background
1: my wife my wife might be on yeah. me about bringing bringing myself out of the basement i had to get get a new internet router down there
0: i don't know man i i know that that image you know it kind of fits the image and when i first met you we we're sitting there just chewing the fat on uh the exposed two by fours and the dart board and now we got the uh oh what did you just tell me the uh the spirit uh spirit board yeah
1: spirit board yeah
0: Spirit board, it's so much better than, what's the phrase that those life coaches are always using? First of all, sneak peek, first time heard right here in the Thriller Zone. What are you working on now?
1: Well, I just turned in um, my third book, which comes out July of 2024, um, and it's called Broiler. And Broiler is set in a chicken processing plant in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, about two different couples, um, one in like the management side of that that industry, the other in like the line, like the line working side, uh, and yeah, that's broiler. And the thing I'm working on now that you saw on the on the on the spirit board is called Mississippi Blue Forty Two. Uh, so Mississippi Blue Forty Two. So it's still in the early stages, um, but yeah, it's like um, like the North Dallas Forty, but maybe for like uh, for college football. College football in the days of the bagmen. So a little lighter than the stuff I've done in the past. Um, taking on that big multi-billion-dollar industry that is NCAA. And all the shady deals and crime-like things that go on you know, underneath the surface, especially in the South.
0: Well, and nobody knows it like you having uh, been there and, and hanging out in that world, right?
1: Quarterbacking. Yeah.
0: Well, that is exciting, and the fact that it's a little less dark is intriguing to me because it w- is going to show us a yet another side of Eli Craner, which I think is cool. And that begs this question, Eli. I was talking to someone recently, and they were just raving about the fact that series, a series of books, series of characters, is kind of the golden way to ensure, and I use that in air quotes, a long, healthy career as a writer. I personally have always been a big fan of standalones because I say as a writer, baby, I got 200 ideas cooking at any time, you know? So to see you branch out and not in get into that, is is that a good thing for you? You like that? Do your people, your agents, your publishers and all dig that as well?
1: Talking about doing like the non the not as dark stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, man. This is a story that I've kicked around for years now. So I told you I wrote Don't Know Tough in twenty sixteen. I wrote Ozark Dogs in 2017, and then the very next manuscript that I wrote was a first attempt at this college football story. And it's so big, and it's always so ever-changing. You know, like, when I first started writing it, we had bag men, we had, you know, uh, it was illegal to pay players in any way, shape, or form. And now, we're in the NIL Wild West day, so I think I've written, like, seven or eight different manuscripts like you know some of them just complete trash some of them getting a little closer and so yeah it's something um, like i'm a huge elmore leonard fan you know and elmore oh, yeah. stuff yeah he, it's a different sort of stuff than my stuff um even the westerns you know and even the early stuff like the moonshine war um it's got just kind of this different verve you know and i love it like i love that it's serious it's well written and at the same time it's hilarious and it's and it's evil in places and it's kind of this this whole thing so yeah i'm trying i'm aiming for that and i think everybody's you know cool with it Uh, i mean that's kind of the cool thing you just i mean yeah i've gotten i've gotten green lights you know to go to go run with this with (laughs) i guess the sporting background helps um so yeah i'm excited and it's funny that you mentioned series because i've always kind of dreamed it As as being a a potential to have, you know, maybe not like a straight line series, but like the Elmore books that have like Karen Sisko, um, you know, and how she pops up in different books. And so it's not just your series or procedural, but yeah,
0: Elmore has always been one of my all time favorites. And I don't know if I we talked about Elmore last time because I went back and listened to the show. And I recall telling you that I was dating a gal back in when I was living and doing a radio show, morning show in Detroit, and come to find out she lived right down the street from Elmore. And I said, uh, "Hey, let's go down there. I want to knock on the door and say hi." She goes, "Are you crazy? You can't do that." I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm a, I'm an Elmore Leonard fan." I mean, come on. I mean, come on. This is before, you know, I was very young and stupid. Now I'm just old and stupid, Um, but I was like, you know, finally I didn't do it, but I, I regret to this day. But boy, circling back to you, the thing about Elmore Leonard I always loved is that very thing. One of my favorite things of all, you're reading this book, Karen's in the story, you go on to another book, she pops up, you're like, oh, I remember her from, and then she weaves a story, and I think that's such an intriguing, interesting way to do it, and so- out of the box, I yeah. I really think, and I'm going to use this phrase, I'm going to beat this phrase too much, I'm sure, but we need to be more out of the box. The, 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 the thing about rules, they're made to be broken to be cliche,
1: right? Yeah. Well, and you mentioned, like, when you were say, reading your backline notes on Ozark Dogs, There's a there's a whole bunch of different characters, and there's a whole bunch of storylines, and it's a very... I think that book is actually only like 64,000 words. So it's a it's a, a shorter, thinner manuscript. But I, I definitely think that that style comes from my infatuation with Dutch. You know, I've read all 42 of those books yeah. and that's how he plays it. You know, it's always third person. It's always past tense. So that part is pretty steady and consistent. But, you know, we get, what I always tell People, um, you know, like who that's one of the things I get sometimes people, you know, reviewers or whatever, like on Goodreads or or even friends or family there, you know, like, oh, there were so many things going on, you know. But I, I always say Elmer, there's a scene where like, you know, big main characters are having a car chase. I wish I could remember what book it is. And then, you know, we get the scene break and right as like the car is about to careen off the road into like the city mall. Um, scene cuts and it's a janitor yep. and you like learn like what he's eaten for breakfast that morning and you, you had a little <laughs> spat with his wife and he's like you know taking his Walkman off of his head you know old headphones and then boom you know the car hits and that scene ends and we're back you know into and that's really like a cinematic approach always because you know Dutch all of his stuff did so or at least got picked up and adapted so many times. That's something you would see in a movie, that exact sort of scene, you know, that cut to a whole new vantage point. So I don't know if I've quite got the reins of it down yet, but I like it. I like that experimentation. And I I trust readers to, you know, to be able and want to do that kind of fun stuff, you know. and That's what I like as a reader. You
0: just said two great things. You trust Your reader. And I think that's a lot of it. I think sometimes we have gotten caught up, especially in this streaming world. We've gotten so caught up in spoon feeding everybody, everything. Tammy and I will sit down and watch TV shows. And we used to. Well, let's at least watch the first season. Then it became, well, at least let's give it a couple of episodes. Now we're like, 10 minute rule, 10 minute rule. You can't hold us for a good story in 10 minutes. We're out. Life's too short. Move on.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Um, So a lot of the loudest people, you know, given the worst reviews or the least stars or whatever, um, you know, they don't speak for the whole. You know, they don't speak for the whole. Uh, They don't speak for all the readers, all the viewers, because I still I believe it's especially in this day and time of A.I. and all this cookie cutter can shit that's gonna be, you know, just really, already is taken over, but now they're just gonna be able to to pump it out like, like sausage. Um, I think real, yeah. real storytelling is is gonna be even more important. Or at least that's how I'm choosing to look at yeah. it. I, I'm teaching this this year um, at, at our local university. I'm doing a writer in residence deal and teaching intro to creative writing. So we did like a week long bit on like new faculty orientation and all this stuff. And, and the number one thing, Dave, that they kept talking about was AI, you know, and like, like fitting your classes. I mean, they were showing you like you could, you could assign, you know, chapter two of this Hemingway novel or whatever. And like, you know, it's 20 pages they're supposed to read and then summarize. And they could literally go and tell, you know, chat GPT or whatever, summarize pages yeah. 24 through 48 of, of this book. So with creative writing, it's the same thing. You know, it, you can tell somebody to write a short story now and they can copy and paste it into Word. So my answer to all that has been I bought all my students. I have 16 creative writing students. I bought them all those old composition notebooks with like the black and white yeah. marble front. And yesterday was the first day of class. And I was like, everything we do, we're gonna do in here. You know, there's no, we're not gonna do any computers. We're gonna write it all right here in these notebooks. And I bought them for you and you can decorate them and you put stickers on them. And and so maybe as we get toward the end of semester, like if they've gotten something and we wanna really edit it and polish it, you know, maybe we'll transcribe it from there. And I'm sure they, yeah. they could probably think of workarounds, but it would take a lot of energy. But yeah, I, I I guess that's a big metaphor for me to say, like, that's how I feel like it's all going to go. Like it's going to, it's going to go, Yeah. You, AI is going to go this way. And we are going to get a lot of these like boom, boom, bang, bang shows that, you know, have no heart. And then we're going to go this way, you know, sure. and think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of cool stuff.
0: Man, I couldn't have said it better. I'm so in agreement with you. And I think that you're 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 dead on it's the essence of genuine heartfelt storytelling and I'm not saying heartfelt like hallmark I'm saying heartfelt like it's coming from your soul. I got this uh, writing buddy who is always challenged we challenge each other to just dig deep it, what what really hits you at the core of your soul and right from there so I also my other point is if you hooked up. Eli, a camera in the back of your classroom or in the front, whichever, you gave me a link to be able to watch it online. I'd pay to watch that. Here's why. Because I'm going to see a guy who is as real as it gets, doing his passion, teaching it old school and keeping it real for the kids and learn something all at the same time. It's a synced effect. I just made that up.
1: But you just, I mean, I need a little extra side gig. I'm gonna, I might have to start this whole streaming stream with the crane dog on Mondays and Wednesdays. <laughs> streaming with the crane dog. Um, <laughs> you know, well, you listen. I'm
0: always trying to think because you know I do this. I do this puppy for free, and I'm always thinking, man, wouldn't it be nice if there's some way I could just get a little throw a little tip in the tip jar for uh, Davy Boy here, and uh, you know. So I'm thinking about you. I'm like, let's throw a little tip in Eli's uh, cookie jar. And yep. and put it back into the classroom because I love I love where your head is. That's brilliant. It's yeah. smart, and it's real. All right, I want to talk about. Oh, this is what. Uh, so you you mentioned a broiler, which is the one you've just submitted, right?
1: Correct. Yep. July twenty twenty four.
0: Okay, uh, number two. So if I'm not mistaken, this is set. There's a nuclear power plant, and it, I think I saw a viewpoint from your window that got turned into a chicken processing plant, which is in this story, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there is a nuke tower right out here. Uh, it's what happened to all my hair, right. you know, my, my beard grows green in the middle of the night. Um, and yeah, they, what they do in that book is they, they replace, you know, that industry, chicken, chicken industry comes in, which is huge in Arkansas. Tyson was founded sure. here uh, along with Walmart um so yeah it doesn't there are there is an easter egg in broiler just like there is in ozark dogs that ozark dogs ties back to don't know tough broiler ties back to ozark dogs so we we do have those little easter eggs throughout
0: nice that was a cool thing to be able to drop right it wasn't a spoiler yeah so speaking speaking of which give me that elevator pitch for ozark dogs because i I don't want to I don't want to give anything away, but I want to give everything away. So roll on.
1: That has been such a tough thing, Dave. It's been a tough one for me to like elevator pitch for don't know tough was Friday night lights meets Ozark, you know, the Netflix series Ozark. And I pretty much said everything, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I thought you would need for, to get somebody's attention. Ozark dogs is a little harder for me to wrap my head around something that the, the publishing or publicity team came up with was like Hatfield and McCoy's modern day Hatfield and McCoy's. Um, which I've heard a lot. I think that works, but I mean, yeah, it's a simple storyline, you know, it's, it's Liam Neeson taken. That was it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's It's taken
0: and it was taken two and taken three and and they're still taken. They're going to take forever. Yeah.
1: Like a, like a hillbilly noir version of taken. Um, and that's a simple way to put it. I hope there's a little more to the bone, you know, more meat on the bone than just that. Uh, but that's, this, it's, it's an old storyline, you know, it's a revenge plot. It's a, it's a thriller too, where don't know tough is a mystery, you know, and don't know tough. We had a dead body and the book was spent figuring out what happened to this guy. Um, and Ozark dogs, it, it's, it's, it's all about the safety and, um, and, and how, you know, how things are going to play out as they unfold. So full, full thriller.
0: Boy, the, um. Your characters, you, you know, I find myself falling in love with your characters, even if they're bad guys. (laughs) I love falling in love might not be the right thing, but I appreciate them because they feel they feel real. I mean, they really do. There's so much cookie cutter bullshit out there right now. Like you and I were talking about it with A.I. I mean, you can't even turn on the TV now without just seeing. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, that's not uh, that's not been done 200 times. Right. But the thing about these characters, and it, and it, you know, I say this phrase way too much, but I think it's because I'm such a content devourer, is it such a, it would make such a good movie, and it was, you know, it has that feel, that darkness of like Ozark, but still, um, I don't know, man, it's just got a big old piece of heart beating right there in the middle. Yeah. So good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I thought there was maybe a little more moments of lightness. I mean, it's dark and it's twisted, but, you know, you've got people like Dime Ray Belli, um, even Guillermo <laughs> and Ivel. And, um, you know, they each, the bad guys kind of have their their moments of levity, you know, which I think helps kind of balance the story out.
0: It also helps, Eli, that a couple of them are dumber than a rock. I mean, really. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's that's my mean, letter coming out and those guys.
0: Just dumber than a rock. But you still you still find yourself going, is he going to be is he going to be that stupid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he sure did. Do you have people when you're on these press junkets? Do you have people ask you uh, that classic question of where do these people come from mm. and? I'm gonna ask it because it's just, it's such a good one because your your characters are so bigger than life. Yeah. I, I got to imagine there's a few fellows in the neighborhood that you, you, <laughs> you borrow some of them, right?
1: Yeah, like I got a real good buddy who uh, named Brandon Goats. So I'll have to send this to B when it comes out. Because for years he's been making this like dry rub, um, and he called it Snake and Earls. So Snake and Earls is what he just named it. And he and he apparently he'd been he'd been naming things Snake and Earls since he was like in high school. Like he would he would make a koozie, you know, get a koozie printed and he'd just put Snake and Earls on. He just liked it, you know, so much. And so this is just an example because Snake and Earls shows up in the book. Snake and Earls is a throwaway line. Where Belladonna is worrying about her sons being out cutting up down at Snake and Earl's. And so, Snake and Earl? I, yeah. So, I mean, I say it, you know, to say things like that. And then there's just, you know, just a a part of it that really does. You ever play that board game Balderdash? Mm-hmm. Have you ever played
0: ball? No, I'm familiar with it, but I don't play it now.
1: Oh, Dave, you would love it. Like, you just get a card and you roll a die and it, it has like three things on it. It's like a person's name, a word you've probably never heard of, an acronym you've probably never heard of. and then your job is to just make something up. and then you pass all the cards around and people read them off and then they try to guess like who said which one or what's the right one. And so I love that game and I never I never yeah. win it I never win it because I always write, you know like, a whole little character sketch you know for whoever this person is and all my friends and family i'm playing with they write like he invented the taco stand you know and that's it and i'm like well he invented the taco stand in 1928 he was from el salvador he you know like i give this whole thing and so i say that just to say oh. that there is stuff like brandon goats and snake and earls rattling around in this old bald head and then there's also, yeah. you know, just pure imagination and just pure fun, you know, yeah. that like when I see things that I love in a book and I want to emulate it and I want to just let it kind of flow and, and be fired out. So
0: I was, uh, I had Lucy Clark on recently and we were talking about, I was, you know, I was telling her that I scribbled down notes all over the place and <clears throat> she goes, oh, I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, I only do it in paperbacks because then. A lot of times, a publisher send me a hardcover, and then I save that. And next time I see Eli, Eli, I get an autograph and stuff like that. And she's like, "Yeah, screw that! I scribble on all of them." So, yeah, I'm but scribble. the thing is, yeah, I, you, you got to because you and I and I didn't do it on this one because I don't know why I didn't. But there is there are an occasional little line that is just so dang funny, or you twist you twist a phrase in a way that I'd never heard before. And I'm like, when I read, when I run across that, and maybe Eli, it's occupational hazard because I read so many books, but when you run across something that's truly original, it almost metaphysically lifts off the page like it's highlighted in my brain. And I'm like, ooh, that's so delicious. Oh, and then I'll usually highlight it and then I'll just save it for later because, and it's, I'm not gonna steal that line, but it challenges me as a writer to think of a situation differently. You're looking at it, maybe not at ground level, maybe you move at it from above and you look down. It's, and it's just another way to observe.
1: Totally with you, man. I mean, the good book says, there is nothing new under the sun. You know, so yeah. as practitioners of the written word, you know, all these people who say like, oh, you know, I don't I don't read while I'm writing or um, anything like that. I'm like, well, then you ain't doing your homework, you know, like because it's our <laughs> job to collect like just what you're talking about. I mean, I do that all the time. Not only do I mark them, but, you know, I'll write them down and keep them in folders, even just figurative language turns a phrase that I really like. And like you said, I, I, there is never going to show up exactly like that in a book. Um But I've got a really good comparison in my mind for, you know, what a crescent moon looks like or what, you know, all these different things that I've heard. And they're there. You know, it's all just adding fodder to the to the fire um, when you go and try to write something new, you know. So, yeah, I'm totally with you.
0: Speaking of that phrase, you used that line. I'm not going to take the time now because I, I did not. I don't think I highlighted it but I remember it's jumping out at me about the crescent moon the way it was hanging you you have this beautiful way of as you're setting up the scene you won't beat a dead horse you'll you'll just do this little scene uh setup without going the night was dark and it was filled with crickets and <laughs> and you know you just go the crescent moon was hanging on its edge looking for a place to land or something like that and I was like
1: yeah I think that's an Elmore Leonard thing too, man. You know, he's got those 10 rules of writing. He's like, cut all the crap out that people skip, you know. And, and something that I just thought of sitting here is because you, you brought it up. And I don't know if I've ever put this into words. But, you know, a good way to set a scene is like one line of poetry and then get to the meat. Like, open it up with that one little beautiful, very rhythmic line, maybe two. Yeah. And then get to the meat, you know, like this is a novel, this is a thriller, this is a crime novel, you know, it's, it's a little bit of poetry goes a long way.
0: That's a soundbite for this show, because that's what you do. And that's what I love you just that little and and what's neat about a bit of poetry right before uh, a potentially dark or gruesome scene is the juxtaposition of the two different mindsets. And that's what makes that even more intriguing. It adds power to what's coming because of the power that's leading the way.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, and you gotta be a reader of poetry too. You know, like that's, we were just talking yeah. about um, where you get your stuff. And I don't know if it's, you're not, I don't read poetry for the, for the similes. You know, I read poetry for the rhythm. Um, I read poetry for yeah. the flow. You know, because that to me is what makes a good line is is, you know, when it really ends up uh, just landing just right.
0: Well, come on. I'm going to pick your brain, because last time on last show a year ago, I asked you what was on your TBR list or your nightstand and you rattled off a few. And I looked up a couple of them and I I read one or two of them. But poetry, who's somebody you love? Who's who's an inspiration to you that? you'll pick up from time to time, probably close to your desk, just almost as a reference tool, I bet you.
1: Let me go grab it. Be right back.
0: Go, go. I'm going to take a little break right now. Folks, while Eli is going to grab a little piece of poetry and I'm lifting a little Gatorade, we'll take a short break and be right back, right here on the Thriller Zone. I'm kidding. We didn't really take a break. We're just hanging out, waiting for Eli, because, uh, by the way, let's, let's promote once again, Ozark Dogs. Eli Craner, second novel. It is deliciously powerful. You're gonna to wanna to read it. In this Southern thriller, two families grapple with the aftermath of a murder in their small Arkansas town. And he's back.
1: Well, I said I was gonna grab it and um, I think I took it to the, to the new office um, at, at the university, which that has been, that has been a problem. Uh, I keep I keep looking for things, and I'm like, now I have two offices, you know, and I'm I'm doing stuff back and forth. But it's Frank Stanford. Have you ever heard of Frank Stanford? Um, no, so Frank I'm Stanford writing it down. Was a, he was up at the University of Arkansas, which I'm repping today. Go Razorbacks. I see uh, that. And the one that I love is the battlefield where the moon says I love you. So Ooh. Frank is really – I've talked about Johnny Wink before – um, and Johnny Wink is a poet. He was my former mentor, my, still my mentor, going into his 50th year of teaching creative writing at my alma mater. Um, and he knew Frank and got me on that book. And it's like this long, like epic poem. You know, it's this huge thing. But Johnny also, Johnny's got this crazy trick um, that he started back around when I was in undergrad. So like 2008, 2009. He started memorizing all of Shakespeare's sonnets. Um, And, like, what are there? 152 sonnets? Um, I might be wrong on that, but Johnny has every one of them committed to memory. Still. Oh my God. He's 79 years old, and he walks in. This is what he does at the beginning of every class. He walks in and. I've got lessons in chemistry, not a collection of, of, of sonnets, but he, he carries the sonnet collection and he'll throw it on the desk to a student and he'll say, pick a number, any number. And they pick sonnet 64 and then he'll say, pick a line and they'll pick line eight. And then he'll go like, a, like he's in the circus or something, you know, he'll go like this and he'll tell you. And so because of that, that's something else that I've started doing is committing stuff to memory. So like I've got a couple of sonnets, I've got some, a Rudyard Kipling if, if you, can, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make room for the doubting too. And then the sonnets and yeah, I, was rec- I recited a sonnet yesterday for the creative writing class because we're doing some poetry in there too. And I remember asking Johnny, why like why are you because you know johnny is a poet and he he writes but i said why do you memorize these things and he said eli it's beautiful furniture for the brain oh that's good yeah so beautiful furniture for your mind furniture you know and in today's time that's what i told my students who that generation like anxiety depression that stuff is huge it was a lot of the stuff we we were talked about as we were you know for all all people uh, right now, and so, what better way to kind of meditate and chill out than run yeah. through? When I have seen my times fell hand to face, the rich proud cost of outworn buried age. And now that's a that's a very dark sonnet, but but you know you could do the love one. Let uh, let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which bends with the remover to remove, or alters when it alteration finds. So there's that iambic pentameter. You know, there's that yeah. stressed, unstressed that you really want to find and hit when you are trying to be poetic in a thriller or a, a crime novel.
0: I feel like I just went to school,
1: Eli. <laughs> I'm all fresh, you know, I had my first day of class yesterday, so I'm I'm, I'm just rant, rattling off the same old stuff.
0: It's all good. Um, did I hear is this? Did I hear this correctly? Did you do the audio book for Ozark Dogs?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did it for Don't Know Tough too. And the Don't Know Tough experience was hellacious because I did it in Memphis, which is about four hours from here. Uh, And we did it in three days back to back, three sessions. So it was like 26 hours of studio time to get like the nine hour audio book done. And it was my first like virginal experience. I didn't know what I was doing. And so with Ozark Dogs, we did it here in Arkansas uh, just about an hour from my house and did it over like a month and a half. Like I'd just go in on a Saturday for, you know, like an hour, an hour or two. And um, that was much, much better.
0: I remember you doing it for uh, Don't Know Tough because that's how I found you. I found that we in that social media where you're sitting in front of a classroom and you're reading that blurb. Yeah. I was just sucked into the camera. And I remember, all right, I don't know who this guy is, but I got to find him. So on this one, uh, first of all, you did the smart thing. Having done uh, a, a handful of audiobooks, it's a feat. So if yep. you, it's way better to take two, three hours at a time than trying to crush eight to eight to ten. Yep. It's just, it's way harder than people think. Well, While you're doing, you should just sit in there talking, Dave. How hard could it be? Okay. Yeah. You give it a shot. Tell me how you like it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, just your focus. I mean, your voice is one thing. And, you know, there's a yep. lot of tea and honey and all that stuff you can do, but your voice does give out. But but just your mind, you know, and really yeah. keeping track of the characters and voices and the inflections for, you know, it was so much better to take a break and, and re-energize, you know, to come back into that.
0: I did a series for Frank Zafiro last year, and I got to where I would draw little sketches of the characters. And I would paste them up on the monitor when I'd be reading the audio book because I would and then I would put one word that would trigger my thought like gruff or skinny or stupid or whatever so that I could just glance up, get that image. Because to your point, especially if you're trying to really cover ground and you're wanting to go, you know, so uh, what's his name? Walked into the bar and said, oh, you going to give me a drink or what? Yeah, sure. You know, and if you're shifting it back and forth. Yeah. Um. It can get, it really wears you the hell out, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and that's something I've started doing, like with that spirit board we walked by earlier. Is I've started printing off, yeah. finding the perfect character image, um, and printing it off. You know, like even for when I'm starting a book. But no, I've I've never read anybody else's. I don't think I'd want to, man. Like, and like it would take such study. You know, that's why I do like doing mine because I know them so well already um that I almost just don't trust anybody else to do it you know at this point now I don't know if I'll keep doing
0: well said and and a lot of those filler words like blah 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 Bob said blah 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 he looked over a lot of stuff you throw away um so it 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 helps it, it helps paint the scene and if you're really if you're really in immersed in the book as a listener you don't need all that stage direction You'd, oh, yeah. and you can but, do it by just a lilt.
1: And in some ways that's that's the most painful part is by this point the book is is set in stone, you know, like there's no change, yeah. there's no going back and changing it or at least by the two times I've done the audiobook. And that I know and, it's coming. And, and reading aloud is 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 a big part of my editing process. So I've already read the book aloud multiple times by the time I get in there and start, but there's still always something that you're like, "Mm," you know, I wish, you know, and I even try to change it, you know, like as I say it, like I'll try and change it for the audiobook, And then the audible director will buzz in. Um, we had a mistake on the previous line. Like, can you read that again? I'm like, no, I want it. I want it this way.
0: Audible is a tough uh, audience, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that this was, Ozark Dogs was a, it was a, a wonderful read. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed even more just catching up with you. I love seeing you on social media and all the love that's coming down your way of people lifting you up, rising that tide, just realizing what a mad talent
1: you are. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of fun. Are you going to be in Balshaka?
0: Yes, I am. Are you going to be there?
1: Heck yeah, brother. Heck yeah. Dude, that's next
0: week. Right now. Right now, folks, if you want to learn more about my friend Eli, go to Elicraner.com, learn all about him, follow him on Twitter, now called X, at uh, Eli Craner. Such a good book, and cannot wait to see you at BausherCon.
1: Yeah, dude. See you at the bar.
0: Where all the goodness happens.
1: <laughs> I might be wrong on that, but Johnny has every one of them committed to memory. Still, oh my he's goodness. 79 years old, and he walks in. This is what he does at the beginning of every class. He walks in, and <laughs> I've got lessons in chemistry, not a collection of, of, of sonnets, but he, he ha- carries the sonnet collection, and he'll throw it on the desk to a student, and he'll say, pick a number, any number, and they pick sonnet 64, and then he'll say, pick a line, and they'll pick line 8, and then he'll go like, a, like he's in the circus or something, you know, he'll go like this and he'll tell you. And so because of that, that's something else that I've started doing is committing stuff to memory. So like I've got a couple of sonnets, I've got some, a Rudyard Kipling, if, if you, can, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make room for the doubting too. And then the sonnets, and yeah, I, was rec- I recited a sonnet yesterday for the creative writing class, because we're doing some poetry in there, too. And I remember asking Johnny, why? Like, why are you, because, you know, Johnny is a poet, and he, he writes. But I said, why do you memorize these things? And he said, Eli, it's beautiful furniture for the brain.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: Yeah, so beautiful furniture for your mind, furniture. you know, and in today's yeah. time, that's what I told my students who that generation, like anxiety, depression, that stuff is huge. It was a lot of the stuff we, we were talked about as we were, you know, for all, all people um, right now. And so what better way to kind of meditate and chill out than run yeah. through when I've seen my times fell hand to face The rich, proud cost of outworn, buried age. And now that's a that's a very dark sonnet. But but you know you could do the love one. Let let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which bends with the remover to remove, or alters when it alteration finds. So there's that iambic pentameter. You know there's that stressed unstressed that you really want to find and hit when you are trying to be poetic. In a thriller or a crime novel,
0: I feel like I just went to school, Eli.
1: <laughs> I'm all fresh, you know. I had my first day of class yesterday, so I'm, I'm just rat- rattling off the same old stuff.
0: It's all good. Um, did I hear is this? Did I hear this correctly? Did you do the audiobook for Ozark Dogs?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did it for Don't Know Tough too, and the Don't Know Tough experience was hellacious because I did it in Memphis, which is about four hours from here uh, and we did it in three days, back to back, three sessions. So it was like 26 hours mm. of studio time to get like the nine hour audio book mm. done. And it was my first like virginal experience. I didn't know what I was doing. And so with Ozark Dogs, we did it here in Arkansas, uh, just about an hour from my house and did it over like a month and a half. Like I'd just go in on a Saturday for, you know, like an hour, an hour or two. And um, that was much, much better.
0: I remember you doing it for uh, Don't Know Tough because that's how I found you. I found that we, in that social media where you're sitting in front of a classroom and you're reading that blurb. Yeah. I was just sucked into the camera. And I remember, all oh, right, I don't know who this guy is, but I got to find him. So on this one, uh, first of all, you did the smart thing, having done a, a handful of audiobooks. It's a feat. So if yeah. you, it's way better to take two, three hours at a time than trying to crush eight to, eight to 10. It's just, it's way harder than people think. While well, you're doing you should just sit in there talking,
1: Dave. How hard could it be?
0: Okay. Yeah. You give it a shot. Tell me how you like it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just just your focus. I mean, your voice is one thing. And, you know, there's a yep. lot of tea and honey and all that stuff you can do. But your voice does give out. But, but just your mind, you know, and really yeah. keeping track of the characters and the voices and the inflections for, you know, it was so much better to take a break and, And re energize, you know, to come back into that.
0: I did a series for Frank Zafiro last year, and I got to where I would draw little sketches of the characters and I would paste them up on the monitor when I'd be reading the audiobook because I would, and then I would put one word that would trigger my thought, like gruff or skinny or stupid or whatever so that i could just glance up get that image because to your point especially if you're trying to really cover ground and you're wanting to go you know so uh what's his name walked in the bar and said oh you gonna give me a drink or what yeah sure you know and if you're shifting it back and forth yeah um it can get, it really wears you the hell out right? uh,
1: yeah. yeah 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 well and that's something i've started doing like with that spirit board we walked by earlier is i've started printing off. Yeah finding the perfect character image um, and printing it off, you know, like even for when I'm starting a book. But no, I've I've never read anybody else's. I don't think I'd want to, man. Like and like it would take such study. You know, that's why I do like doing mine because I know them so well already sure. uh, that I almost just don't trust anybody else to do it, you know, at, at this point. Now, I don't know if I'll keep doing it.
0: Well that. said. and And a lot of those filler words like, blah blah blah, Bob said, blah blah blah, he looked over a lot of stuff you throw away um yeah. so it, it it helps it helps paint the scene and if you're really if you're really in immersed in the book as a listener, you don't need all that stage direction you oh, yeah. and you can wow. do it by just a lilt
1: and in some ways that's that's the most painful part is by this point, the book is is set in stone you know like there's no change yeah. there's no going back and changing it or at least by the two times i've done the audiobook and that know and, it's and, and reading aloud is 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 a big part of my editing process so i've already read the book aloud multiple times by the time i get in there and start but there's still always something that you're like mm, you know i wish you know and I even try to change it, you know. Like as I say it, like I'll ch- try and change it for the audiobook, and then the Audible director will buzz in. Um, we had a mistake on the previous line. Like, can you read that again? I'm like, no, I want it, I want it this way.
0: Audible is a tough uh, audience, that's for yes. sure. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that this was Ozark Dogs was a it was a, a wonderful read. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed even more just catching up with you. I love seeing you on social media and all the love that's coming down your way of people lifting you up, rising that tide, just realizing what a mad talent you are.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of fun. Are you going to be in Balshika?
0: Yes, I am. Are you going to be there?
1: Heck yeah, brother.
0: Right now, folks, if you want to learn more about my friend Eli, go to Elicraner.com, Learn all about him. Follow him on Twitter, now called X, at uh, Eli Craner. Such a good book. And cannot wait to see you at BachelorCon.
1: Yeah, baby. See you at the ball.
0: Where all the goodness happens.